Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Uh, I'm going to talk to you what's behind the curtain. Okay? Um, so in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, this word heart is not the physical organ. Because I could rip your physical organ out of your chest and see it. What he's saying is, he sees in the unseen. And so we want to get behind the curtain, in essence, pull back the veil, because there's another realm, spirit realm, out there that is unseen to our eyes and our senses, but yet it exists. And since we're diving into the things that are behind the veil so that we can become adequately trained that way in this season that most likely is the acceleration of the latter days where the Spirit explicitly says in latter days, that's the last of the last days, there will be. Many will fall away from the faith, paying attention to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Seducing spirits and doctrines of demons are not seen. They are things in the unseen that show up in our ears. They show up in our eyes and they create a doctrine or a thought process that we begin to ascribe to and believe. And we believe, people believe, that we're of God. That these evil things are actually right now instead of what God says. And it's because they are looking like man and not like God. Because the unseen realm of the spirit that the devil functions in, he's always there to touch your sense. Which means he's there to identify with what you already can easily identify with. The one particular pastor I met from Marion County, he said, Pastor, again, he's quite a bit more tan than I am. He said, Pastor, he's a bishop. He said, he said, my congregation only filters God through tragedy. They only believe they can touch God through tribulation and tragedy. They don't, no matter how much I'm trying, that's why I need to bring you in, because I don't care how the light bulb comes on along, they, they won't take kingship. Because everything, we've been trained and taught our whole society, my whole culture has been taught to only see God through tragedy. Which ultimately means we're the victim in everything. And it needs to change because they're not kingdom. I said, I understand. Now, I don't understand at his level, but I do understand because I've been around, you know, more than me. Okay? And so, you know, this is the problem. Because the minute you've had an issue and someone starts talking about your issue, you can identify. 
Are you hearing me? So this, the spirit realm, what's behind the current in the realm of the demonic or the devil is to identi- get you to identify with things you already felt. So you can jump on it because you can, you can, you felt that you've experienced that. And so it becomes more real because of your experience instead of it real because God says it. And if God says it, that's actually more real than the experience you have because maybe the experience you have, God never intended and the experience you had actually came from the devil and God wants to deliver you from the devil's demonic attack. So he needs you to get over to his word and experience it. But because you want to keep identifying with your experience and make God identify with you through your experience, then God's like, I can't identify with you. Because here's the thing, God himself, other than through Christ, The Father has never failed. Jesus himself has never experienced death walking in the earth. He was tempted to sin but never sinned. The wage of sin is that now he became sin. So at that point, there's an experience because he took on you, although he himself didn't do it. And Jesus did not take on you to identify with you. This is the problem. Jesus didn't become like us to identify with us. Jesus became like us because the first Adam had the dominion, so it requires God to be a man to gain back dominion. He's not here to identify with us, although he can identify with our temptations. He said, God... If anyone understands, you have a high priest who can sympathize with you, right? Because he was tempted on all accounts, yet never sinned. So he can say, I know what it's like for the enemy to come after you. Yet I'm the one who was victorious and never succumbed. So I was never the victim. I was always the victor. So what I need you to identify with me. Oh, I need you to identify with me because when you identify with me, then you'll identify in Christ, which is in the king. And when you identify there, then you'll quit looking at how you feel or how you felt or how you went through. You'll start throwing that junk away and you'll only focus on on who he is and who you've been made. Then you'll actually see like God. Because the minute you navigate towards people that look like you, you're already being ungodly. Because man does not look on the outward appearance, period. And the new covenant says we are not to regard man in the flesh. So I don't regard you based upon your paint job. Because it's just a paint job. And you've heard us say this before, that if you go out to the parking lot right now, those are vehicles. What do they do? Carry you. That's its assignment, to take you somewhere. You're not your car. You're in it. Well, you're not your outward suit. You're a spirit man in it. And the black cars don't park together. The white cars don't park together. The yellow cars don't park together. The red cars don't park together. The blue cars don't park together. I mean, they just park. I've never seen a black car get by a white car and say, what are you doing here? I've never seen it pull out of its space when you're not in it and move somewhere else. 
It's never happened. Hallelujah. So I don't care about your paint job. Because God, God is not colorblind. Because he's too creative to let us all be the same color. He's too creative. I mean, there's not one green. There's not one red. There's not one yellow or orange. I mean, we look at the trees. The bark on trees is different. God's way too creative. This is why I personally can't have tattoos, because I would be completely tattooed. I would. It would never stop because I'd be like, oh, that's cool. But then it's one, and I like more stuff. I like to be more creative. So it would expand. So instead of me just turning into one big tattoo, I choose not to put on any odd. Are you hearing me? Because I know I will have a problem. Now, if I did temporary ones where I could wash it off and do it, then that would be good for me because then I'd be like, I'm bored with that. Right? Okay. God's too creative, yet the devil has used it for division. And he sets Samuel straight and says, you're looking at the guy. Now, in this case, it wasn't technically a color issue. It was a statute issue. It's, he compared him with the last king. Well, he looks like the last guy. So he must be it, since that was how God picked the first. Well, God didn't even pick the first. I'm going to say that again. God didn't pick the first. God gave the king the people wanted. And he knew what they wanted because they were eyeballing the rest. And they're like, they looking for a giant. Somebody big and strong. You know, because if they look big and strong, then they must be strong. Right? And so he's like, and they still ain't strong enough, so I'm going to help them out and put an anointing on them and let them know that really how weak they are, even in how big they are. And if they'll yield to me, it'd be awesome. But if they don't, and he told King Saul, he said, if you'll do what I say, there will not be in your family line a king that doesn't sit on the throne. Which tells me if he'd have done that, Jesus would have came through Saul's bloodline. But because Saul wouldn't, and he didn't, he said, well, I go looking like I go look for. Because Saul's man's pick that I anointed to try to help out, but he didn't want it because he had selfish ambition anyway, because men are only selfish. So for me to go find someone that can be king that I can anoint and stay within it, I need to find somebody after my own heart, right? So he says, you know, look, I don't look at the outward appearance. I'm looking at the heart. So God is, is never captivated with what we see. He's already, he, he affects what we see, experience, touch through our five senses from a behind the curtain perspective. And the devil does the same thing. All right? Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So there's something he's seeing, he's making his judgments based upon it, and based upon that, without God, being a part of the process, it just ends in death, right? Luke 16, 15 says it this way, and he said to them, you are those who justly uh, justify yourself in the sight of men, but God knows your heart. For that which is highly esteemed among men is what? 
detestable in the sight of God. So there's something going down with these individuals that in the natural realm, seeing and hearing, men are like, wow, how awesome. That guy is so awesome. That woman is so amazing. Yet God behind the curtain is saying, this is disgusting. So what a lot of men praise, God gives no praise to. And we need to figure out what God's giving praise to, not what man's giving praise to. We need to be able to discern this because both of them are being affected from things behind the curtain. And the devil behind the curtain is getting you to only focus on what you can see. Where God behind the curtain says focus on what's behind the curtain and it will affect what you see. You hearing me? This is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, he says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day, which means there's a conflict. You see me maybe getting older. You see me maybe, you know, my body's not in the same peak performance as it was at one point. But know this, on the inside that you can't see, it is stronger in this suit that's not as strong as it was at one time, it is even stronger. And the older I get, the stronger on the inside I'll be. Are you hearing me? Then he goes on to say, for the momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Unseen things are not seen things. Now that doesn't mean you can't perceive it. You can't sense it. In fact, you can become so aware of what's not seen that it's more real to you than what you do see. Amen. Amen. When we were believing God for the mall, it was more real to us. And I know I can testify for myself, and I believe this for most of you. Every day we came on the property and we were, thank you, Lord, for 2120 when US won. No matter what we were hearing, and I was hearing a little bit more than y'all, but what we, no matter what we're hearing, I, we're convinced this is our mall. And us having mall 2121 and us remodeling is irrelevant to us. We are convinced that it's ours, even though in the natural, I can't see it. And maybe even in my hearing, I'm hearing it ain't going to come to pass. But I'm so convinced in my spirit that that unseen reality is going to change this seen reality. And it did. Come on, can I get an amen? I remember the first time my wife and I bought a house. We had never bought a house before, rented our whole time till we moved to St. Augustine, got in our purpose. And so not that we couldn't have bought one before, we just didn't. And so we got here and it's time to buy. And my wife ended up finding a home that was a lease for, you know, lease to purchase type deal. And so we went in on it. And so we're going and at this point, you know, we're starting to look for someone to finance us to buy the house. Okay. And at the end of the day, you know, I was getting some letters based upon me just moving into the state. Hadn't been here that long. Although I'm saying that I've been a pastor for, you know, multiple years and that whole, you know, career has carried through. I just happened to be in this location for less, you know, just over a year. And so, um, I started getting letters in the mail that had rejected me for financing. Well, you know, when you read that, it can, it's, it's in the scene. It's telling you, you've been denied. 
right? Well, that's coming. Well, there was a particular plant in our front yard that was holding moisture and caused one section to kind of rot out a piece of trim. And my wife didn't like it. So I went out to cut the thing down. She said, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, I'm getting rid of this. You know, we're going to cut it on out. She said, this isn't our house yet. Now, she was just talking. She wasn't being not in faith. She was just stating the facts. Me, on the other hand, okay, it was my moment of faith declaration. I said, this is my house. Amen. It will only be my house. And again, I'm not saying my wife was in unbelief. She's not at all. She believed God with me. I'm just saying at, she was like shocked at my violent response to the tree. <laughs> right? <laughs> I am hacking on this deal. You're coming out. You know, we're at the roots, people. I'm not cutting. I mean, I am digging out. I'm finding, I'm cutting, I'm chopping. I mean, I'm getting swole with my muscles type stuff, and we are tearing this thing out. This is in our house. What if the owner, I said, it's my house? Yeah. I'm tearing, I ripped it. I threw it halfway across the front yard, <laughs> right? Because I was so convinced of the unseen being more real than the scene. Now, it was my moment. My moment to do that it was my way of saying, I don't believe these letters. You're lying to me. And ultimately, they were lies and bought the house and we lived in it for 13 years. Are you hearing me? Now, Paul knows this more than anyone because he knows what it means to live the life of only making decisions based upon what you can do. And this is outlined in Philippians chapter 3. Amen. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 through 8, I'm going to read out of the Passion. It says this, For we have already experienced heart circumcision, and we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in laws and religious duties. We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. It's true that I once relied on all that I had become. I had a reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments more than others, for my pedigree was impeccable. I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel, of the sons of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised eight days after my birth and was raised in the strict tradition of Orthodox Judaism, living a separated and devoted life as a Pharisee. And concerning the righteousness of the Torah, no one surpassed me. I was without a peer. Furthermore, as a fiery defender of the truth, I persecuted the Messianic believers with religious zeal. Yet all of these, the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them and regard it all as nothing compared to the delightful uh, delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know he meant, he let, he meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's like a pile of manure to me now, so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. Wow, isn't that amazing? But we need to understand this, with every new natural way to accomplish an event or task, the less dependent the believer will rely on the spirit of God and faith. Smith Wigglesworth said this, the further medical science gets, the less people will believe God to be healed. Why? Because they can see 
the medication, naturally take it, period. Now, that is not to say you can't take medicine. I'm not saying that. So know that. Because if the Lord talks to you about taking something, take it, period. Because in some instances, instances, for those who, um, based upon what it is, there may be some things that God wants you to do in a natural sense anyway. For some people who have some challenges physically, it is a natural issue because diet itself can change things. Exercise can change things, right? Not everything that God's doing has to be supernatural because he designed our body in a natural way. However, if what we do is look to the shelf first and not to the word first, then we're failing. And that's the difference. Okay? Um, you know, a lot of times people, in fact, I know of one particular individual had a situation and it came out of their mouth, I don't have time to believe God, I'll just go ahead and do this. Well, that's a problem. Because now you're allowing what medical science can, can, do, can do and you're not even consulting God. Now, God may say, go ahead and do something, especially when it comes to surgery, because even the scripture gives an occasion for that. When he says, if your eye offends you, what? Now, we know. <laughs> now, in a literal sense, if you can't keep your eyes from lusting, he's being real. It'd be better for you not to see it and go on and stay righteous with God instead of forfeit your soul and your walk with God because you can't, you won't allow the fruit of the spirit of self-control to function. As gross as that and gruesome as that sound, in comparison, it's better to gouge your eyeballs out. But what I'm saying is there can be things happening in your body that God says, remove it. So again, what if you have cancer? Can God cure it? Can he eliminate it supernaturally? Sure. But what if he says, have it removed? Well, what's the problem? Cut it out. Because cancer is offensive to your body. But consult God is what I'm saying. That's what I'm talking about. All right? But we have to make sure that we don't put ourselves in a position to where we, because we can in our natural body look behind the veil of the spirit realm but then close the curtain and stay in the natural. And the reason why that is because there's always a conversation happening, and I'm going to use this Luke 17, 20, and 21 account because this is the challenge that comes. It says, now having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered and said to them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, again, the reason why the religious people are asking this is because they could see kingdoms. They could see the castle, so to speak. They could see the throne that Caesar would sit on if they were in Rome. In this case, they could definitely see the throne that King Herod sat on, right? So they could see. The, so they're like, when are we going to see it? Because when you're around things that can be seen, you can make a demand on seeing it. When you're inundated with your senses, you can begin to make a demand on being able to see it first before you actually believe it exists. 
And that's what this conversation's about. Well, it can happen even in the new covenant where we start things out uh, recognizing I can't be, have a relationship with God. There's nothing I can do in the natural to have that relationship. I, I've, I just know in the unseen that Jesus Christ died, rose, his blood is on the mercy seat, though I do not see it. It's behind a curtain that I cannot see right now, but I know it exists. I know it's flowing. I know forgiveness is there. I believe that. I'm firmly persuaded, so I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. I'm going to be saved, and then we don't see it, but we the spirit of the man that was dead, lost, separated from God, gets evicted from this suit, although we do not see it leave our body. And a new spirit comes in, which is in the likeness of God. Then we don't see it, but we know the Holy Ghost is in us because he bears witness with our spirit that we can't see in that dimension. Yet we know it. We're convinced of it. We're firmly persuaded of it. We know we're alive to God. And then we can start looking natural again. Paul dealt with the church of Galatia concerning this. I'll read it out of the Message Bible, Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. He says, you crazy Galatians, because it's crazy. It's what I like to call a freak of nature. Your spirit man is alive and the Holy Ghost lives in you and you're going to perform like you don't have God. He says, you crazy Galatians, did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened for it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Let me begin with this question. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness for only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what God begun, what was begun by God? If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It is not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. And so if we don't watch out, and we do know that the Bible tells us in the last of the last days, the Spirit explicitly says in the last days, many will fall away, or some, excuse me, will fall away from the faith, paying attention to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. In essence, they'll get captivated here, that what's behind the curtain will convince them that this is more real than what's behind the curtain. Yet God says, let me get you behind the curtain because this is more real than what you see. And if you keep your focus behind the curtain, then it'll change what you see here. So the demonic realm is using the seen realm to worsen your seen realm. And they're manipulating you behind the curtain. Where God wants you behind the curtain so that your seen realm will line up to God. Amen. One convinces you that this is as good as it gets and your thinking is the best thinking. Again, I'm going to say this because I want to safeguard you. When it, when it comes to ministers, to date, and I don't know everybody. Trust me, I do not. Um, and my, my uh, interaction with pastors are limited. But of all the pastors that I've interacted with, 
of those that became avid readers of material other than the scripture, all have gotten off but one. Meaning they'll bring in secularism, new way, all kinds of stuff because they're reading from people that basically are not purist and because they're pick, they will begin to take these thoughts, patterns, and, and I'm talking people that are considered Christian books, that they are reading, they have dove into these authors so much so that it becomes the meat of their study instead of the scripture, and they all get off. I only know of one, and that's Apostle Scales out of uh, Columbus, Ohio. He's the only one that I know is a well-read man of other material, but he is so well-read in Scripture that he never lets those books influence that core belief. He's the only one I know to date. You don't have that problem with me because I spend a lot of time in Scripture, don't spend a whole lot of time in other stuff because, honestly, I don't even have time. Now, I always read people's stuff that the Lord directs me to, and when he does that, then I'm looking at it through the lens of Scripture. I'm not there to believe everything they say. I'm there to read it and believe what's in context to Scripture and that and that alone, okay? But with that being said, what, if we don't watch out, we will do this. And again, there's 168 hours in a day, right? You come to church twice, maybe. I think y'all, most of y'all come to church twice, at least. Some of y'all more times because of Kingdom Institute and uh, 318. I understand that. But you actually sit through, and I preach longer than most. <laughs> Intentionally. Okay? Because I'm competing with the world. Because this used to be two theaters that if we were running theaters again, you're watching two three-hour movies and holding it till the movie's done. Not like what I see on the camera. We, we clicking, y'all. I'm going to start getting a count. Seth, you were out of your seat three times a day. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Amen. You know, because sometimes we just get kind of lax and we're not hanging on. But it, God wants to give us life, right? Um, so again, you know, in that context, you're, if, if you're not deliberately taking up your other space with very intentional things of God and you're just letting other stuff come in, the doctrine of Fox News will dominate the doctrine of the Bible. The doctrine of CNN will dominate the doctrine of the Bible. The doctrine of the cubicle or the workspace doctrine will dominate the doctrine of the Bible. It'll do it because you're hearing it more. Right? So you have to be very intentional. Okay? So there is this realm that we have to understand exists behind a curtain that we need to make more real in our lives. So again, by stirring you up by way of reminder, I'm probably going to end with this one tonight, that the unseen exists. Period. And as easy as that sounds, and we can all agree with that, living from that realm is not as easy. It's not. It has to become intentional because it's easier to live natural. 
You understand it's easy to be carnal. Extremely easy. It takes no effort to be born again, but live fleshly. Because you've been trained in it. And most of the people around you are fleshly because most of them are lost. And they live according to their flesh. So, you know, uh, I was talking to Marissa before service. She said, you know, her company just had a massive layoff. Just had a massive one. But they told back in November, was it, that they were saying, it's coming. So, you know, obviously her immediate supervisor was like, you know, now if y'all need to have some anxiety classes, you know, to help deal with all this. Yeah, yeah, this is corporate world, people. I mean, this is her corporate global world she's in because what she's in is global, okay? And so, um, you know, they're like, you know, we understand if you need to take some time to have some, you know, go to attend some anxiety classes, right? So they end up, you know, the boss or her supervisor end up talking to her and says, you know, you know, whatever you need. And she's like, I'm fine. No problem. I'm going to be here anyway. Well, you sure are confident in yourself. Well, the, the, God told me I would, I would stay. Okay. All right. Well, they had layoffs. Everybody in her department's gone, but her. Now, on one side, she was like, cut me loose, Lord. <laughs> I'll go. I'm out of here. Am I done? The Lord told her back in the, you're not done. So her supervisor says, well, seems like what you believed happened. She said, well, I believed it because the Lord told me. And they said, you know, I'd probably like to talk more to you about that because they realized she was never anxious in the last two months because she's from a different world, people. Aren't you glad we're from a different world? I said, aren't you glad we're from a different world? Amen. Because here's the thing. Even if she had been cut, she wasn't anxious anyway. In fact, she was excited about the opportunity of where is God planning me next? Because they don't know that an ambassador is about to show up and they're going to pay me to be an ambassador for the kingdom in the workplace. Right? But that so happened. The Lord let her know she wasn't being cut. So she's in it to win it. Right? And you know what? It could be for this person, for all we know. It could just be that she's testifying to this person and they may never accept God. But when they stand before the Lord one day, he said, I sent you Marissa. She walked it in front of you. And you knew it. And you even said you won't talk about it. But then when we got down to it, you didn't want to hear it. So don't tell me you didn't know. Because you know you know. Now depart from me. You worker of iniquity. I'm not saying they're going to do that. I'm just saying. Are you hearing me? We must be intentional. To know that what we're constantly seeing. Because I live just like you. I mean, actually, I don't live just like you. Most of you, I don't live like at all because most of you only are dealing with the things that are at your home address. So I deal with my home address and I deal with this address and then I deal with the 83 employees that are part of this address and their addresses. And then I deal with the community because of the influence we have through this, the outreaches and businesses that we have to connect them. You know, so you're just like a major stuff we're dealing with constantly, okay? And I have to keep my focus on the fact that this is temporal. And this is changed by what I keep my eyes connected to, this unseen realm, because it exists. It is more real 
than this, because that environment that's behind the curtain of God will come to the forefront naturally to where it's the only environment that exists in both the seen and unseen realms. It will squeeze everything else out and everything contrary to will be confined to a place called the lake of fire. It will be confined. It will be stuck in a set of boundaries. No freedom. There's no freedom. It will be bound. It will be in one location, all of it, period. But the rest of us will be free, just as we're free now. Are you hearing me? Because whom the Son says free is free indeed. So let me run through a few of these scriptures and we'll close. It says this in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, again to remind you, this unseen realm is more real than what we see now, okay? Romans 1, 20 says this, for since the creation of the world, his what? Invisible, what is translation is this? Where are you at? Okay, I'm in verse 20. They, are, they, they jumped up in 18. I'm just reading 20. It says this, um, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Now, this is crazy. Because of his invisible attributes, it makes an effect on his divine nature. So what we see is a result of what he is doing from an unseen realm. This is why the discoverers of the DNA strand, those who discovered the DNA strand, the once they had discovered it, they immediately knew evolution's off the charts. It can't be plausible for us. I abandoned that theory. Now, that doesn't mean they became believers in God himself. They knew somebody started this. This is not through an evolutionary chain. Is not, period. There is a higher form of being that started this process. They were convinced. Because again, his invisible attributes, again, through his world, okay, since the creation, his eternal power and, uh, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Which means I don't care what nation you go to on the planet. The minute they start looking at the trees and animals, God is clearly being seen. Period. Are you hearing me? Because the unseen is being reflected in the natural. Colossians, but again, the natural is being, being um, affected because it first came from an unseen. Again, where is the trees? Where is the fish? Where are the animals? Where are the stars? They're in the mind of the Father. And then, but God, then God. So from his imagination, someplace none of us could see, he spoke it, and then it became. Do you understand? There's no situation you're going in that his spoken word to you from his written, written word doesn't change it. So don't say, oh, we got a bill. What are we going to do? Oh, my body's being attacked with uh, sickness. What am I going to do? You got to tap in. I said, you got to tap in. Do you hear what's going on in the news? You know, they, they say we're going to have an economic collapse. Well, aren't you glad you're in a different economy? They cannot collapse. But have you invested in that economy? 
Because you understand, you can't lose stocks if you're not in stocks. You can't lose on your 401k, 401b, or retirement fund if you don't have anything in it. You can't lose Social Security if you're not in it. But they've taken it, so you know what's in there for you. Okay? The point is, if you haven't put something in it, you can't expect, you can't be concerned if it collapses. So when people during, you know, 2008, or especially during the Great Depression, you know, it was in those arenas that people lost that then eventually affected other people in general. But if you didn't have anything in it, then it didn't technically affect you. Well, let me tell you something. If you're not in God's economic system, you're already being affected by the world system because you're not tapped into one that can't be shaken. Because once you get into it, this whole economy on the world can collapse and God still take care of you. In fact, he will transfer wealth. I said he'll transfer. Amen. He'll do it. I don't care if they only go to a uh, digital currency. <laughs> okay. If they go to it, to where, you know, your account is based upon a number that you never see that they can freeze and keep it from you anyway or uh, erase it and then you don't have it because you don't have anything tangible anyway. But even if that happens, God can send birds to feed you daily. And while the world is looking for scraps, you hanging out waiting for your next raven. Because a global collapse didn't kill the birds. Amen. But again, unless you're in his economy, then you're not going to reap the benefit. So you need to get in this economy. How do I get it? You tithe. You give offerings. That's how you get in. Amen. You trust God. Oh, you just want my money. I don't want your money. You want to put your money in the heavenly account. Jesus says, store up for yourself treasures Jesus said that. He can't lie. There must be a way you can store it. Because God is not a man that he should. Amen. And our book's about to come out. We're about to finish the book on economics. Hallelujah. Amen. Colossians 1, 15 to 16, it says, For he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and that means there's things created invisible you don't see, but they're visible to God. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So God creates the invisible and the invisible. For us, the visible is only visible, and the invisible we think don't exist. But God says the invisible is just as visible as the visible. It's invisible, yes, because to some it is, but to me it's not. So from God's perspective, he has the visible and visible. But when he's talking to us, he says the visible and invisible. Because what I see, you don't. Hallelujah. But when you tap into God, then really everything's visible. Because I see my faith. I know I'm firmly persuaded. And it eventually produced that which I'm speaking and firmly persuaded by the word of God. Are you hearing me? Amen. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.17 says this. Now, 
to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, and only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, I can't see God, so he doesn't exist. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And again, we talked about this Sunday. There's obviously oxygen in the room. How do we know? Because you're not dead. Because if the oxygen got sucked out of this room, no more was coming in. It would get replaced with what bit of oxygen's in us with our carbon dioxide until it becomes so toxic that we die. And they come in and think we were a cult. <laughs> right? I knew they were a cult. <laughs> no, the oxygen got sucked out of the room, man, and we didn't know it at the time. <laughs> We are culture, though. Amen. But again, God says he's immortal, invisible. Just because you don't seem doesn't mean he doesn't exist. There's angels in the room right now. I said there's angels in the room. Amen. And we can tell our angels. We'll talk about it. Even though you don't see them, they're listening. They're waiting a command. We don't worship them, and they'll tell you, don't worship me. But just give me a command. Because I'm here to help you. Are you hearing me? Uh, got two more scriptures and we'll close. Elisha in 2 Kings 6, 15 to 17. Now, he's, he's, this is old covenant guy. All right. It says, now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was encircling the city. And his servant said, alas, my master, what shall I do? What shall we do? So he answered, do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the master went out and said, okay. I mean, all these people are with that army. It's you, me, it's two. Let me go back out and count. Uh, I don't know. You didn't sleep well? Did you eat something? Because master, I counted five times. And there's definitely more of them than you and me in this tent. So what's he say in verse 17? Then Elisha prayed and said, oh, Lord, I pray, open his eyes. Well, was he a blind guy? Obviously he wasn't because then the first part of the scripture doesn't work. He went out and saw. Right? It says, the attendant of the man of God risen early, gone out, and behold, an army with chariots. And the servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? In essence, how could he see it if he was actually literally blind? He obviously wasn't blind. He could see naturally. But yet Elisha's asking him to be able to have eyes opened, to see. And it's not natural eyes. It's pull back the curtain. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes. In essence, he said, because um, they were down at the city, and they were obviously in a valley, and there was mountains around them. So God started grabbing the curtain at the top of the mountain and was pulling it back. And when he pulled it back, it says this, and behold, the mountain was full of Horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. Woo, glory to God. So Elisha is aware, I've had this army with me the whole time. <laughs> I said, I've had this army with me the whole time. Because I'm more aware of that realm and its existence. So when these come, they don't move me. And when you're aware of that, then no trial, temptation, or test 
is going to move you because you're very much aware of number one. I can't seem, but you understand the greater ones on the inside of me. So you're already at a deficit because you don't. But I mean, I would love to take my shirt off right now and show you the Holy Ghost. You hear what I'm saying? I like to take the curtain off and you see God. But I know he's there. And I'm more aware of that, which means that I also am more aware of the fruits that he's holding in his hand, which means when someone attacks me, I can be like, hey, me that patience. Go ahead and give me one of those self-control ones while I'm there. Right? Because I'm more aware of that than what I'm seeing right now for me to respond. I'm giving you practical stuff that'll save your life. Romans 4, 17, last scripture is this. Because again, the unseen exists. The latter part in the uh, New King James says it this way. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Amplified says this. Who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if already existed. In essence, Abraham said, I'm going to have a son. I'm having a son with Sarah, period. Because Sarah was wrong, unfortunately, and I should have never slept with a woman. The Lord corrected that. So at this point, this lady's going to have a child. And it says he did not stagger in unbelief, but grew strong in faith because he's the father of faith, father of us all. And God calls those things that be not as though they were. And to the world, they'll say, it's dead, you're dead, it ain't gonna work, ain't gonna work, no hope for you, this is it, this is the problem, and they're showing you everything in the natural. But you're like, this realm ain't as real. This realm's a good subject to change because I'm behind the curtain. And we're not talking about the Wizard of Oz here, people. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking about the Wizard of Oz. I'm talking about the King of Glory, the creator of heaven and earth. He has a whole uh, host of invisible things visible to him that he wants you to be able to see from this side and pull things over. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.